I mean, I think that people all too often think that they always have to perform at a certain level to to have value and to have performed well. But that's not how life works. I think that if we set a high goal for ourselves and are always striving for that high standard, then we will always do well. And doing well is not doing perfect. We will never achieve perfection. There are days that I'm an asshole. That happens. There are days when I run out of spoons and all I have is knives and I lash out because I feel so awful and I can't see what... I can't formulate good thoughts and I can't be the courteous person that I should be. Doesn't change my goal, absolutely changes my performance. Yeah, there are days that I'm an asshole, it happens because I'm fucking human. For me, the real struggle is when I am running at 40% for weeks or months on end. That's when it starts to feel like I am failing. But Torlak, if you are doing your best every single day, you aren't failing. You can't fail. It is absolutely impossible to fail if you are doing your best every day. Will you perform equivocally every day? No. Welcome to being fucking human. I give you permission to be human. I give you permission to have variability because you are fucking human. You are immortal. You will never reach perfection, which means that you can never achieve. No matter how fucking amazing you are, no matter how skilled you are, no matter how fucking talented, practiced, or educated you are, you will never achieve perfection as a mortal being. We are inherently imperfect, dysfunctional, messy, humans it is the nature of being what we are but if you wake up every day and you set yourself a high goal and you strive every day to be your best and to achieve those goals then you're succeeding then you're doing good enough and you're being human own your mistakes and move on i knew my mom lied about me being perfect <laughs> right how can i come out to my parents i am by Okay, theater, this is, this is a complicated question because I don't know your parents. But what I'm going to say, my basic advice when giving news that may or may not be received well, and I don't think that it matters what that news is. It doesn't matter if it's a poor diagnosis. It doesn't matter if it is, I'm telling you that I am something that you don't want me to be. I'm failing your expectations, whatever. Is to have a statement of matter of fact. To just state the facts for what they are and then let them emotionally process it. There is no beating around the bush that makes information easier to emotionally process. So just state them for what they are. If you are ready to come out, then simply state to your parents, sit them down, say, hey, I have something important to tell you. Sit them down and say, I am by. And then wait and allow them to emotionally process. There isn't any way to assist someone in emotionally integrating information. You just have to allow them to process that. And that's true if you're telling them that their child is dying. And that is true if you're telling them they have a cancer diagnosis. It doesn't matter how difficult and how her Herculean that news is to emotionally tackle. So if you're looking at worst case scenario and your parents are gonna have a really hard time emotionally taking this news, it doesn't matter how difficult it is for them. There is no way to sugarcoat it and there is no way to beat around the bush that will make it a more emotionally palatable. So my advice is for the sake of clarity and for the sake of simplicity to just state the fact for what it is. It's scary when you're still financially dependent on them. Uh, my trans friend is terrified to come out because of that. Okay, so yeah, coming out is absolutely terrifying. And so I am bigendered and I am sapiosexual and my parents are Latter-day Saints. So yeah, <laughs> um, my coming out to them was a enormous hurdle. 
my telling them that I was not going to be the person that they wanted me to be and that I was not going to meet the social expectations that they had for me was enormously difficult. And I had to accept that my parents were never morally going to embrace who I am. My parents, based on their religion, believe that I'm going to go to hell and believe that I'm a lesser human being and believe that I am inherently sinning. I have to accept that because that is their belief and I have no control over that. I have no power to change, sway, or in any way make them be something that they are not. The only thing that I can then do is decide whether or not that I'm going to include them in my life and under which conditional boundaries in order to protect yourself. So is it scary to come out? It's absolutely fucking terrifying. I remember being 12 when I first realized that I was inherently fundamentally different than what this religion was teaching me. I came to the realization that the things that was being taught in the Latter-day Saint church were things that were saying that I was a lesser human being and that I did not have value and that I should be condemned and hated and that I was going to be condemned to all eternal suffering by a God who created me to be what I was. That's a really hard and difficult thing to tackle when you're a fucking young person. It's hard to tackle when you're 40. Um, and I don't have any easy answers because there aren't any easy answers. Coming out is hugely difficult and it is not about the other person. You come out for yourself. You come out for personal freedom. You come out so that you can embrace the you that you really are and so that you can put down your mask and so you can celebrate everything that you are inside and out. And then you have to accept that there are going to be people who like that and people who don't. And sometimes those people are our family. And sometimes that means that those people need to be removed from your life because they can't respect the you that you really are. And that is fucking terrifying. And there is no way to make that not terrifying. And I'm sorry that your parents have put you in a position that you don't already feel accepted. One of the things that I struggled to do as a parent was to make it very clear to Sarah Salk from the time that she was like a baby was that it didn't matter, that I didn't care, that it didn't matter what her orientation was. It didn't matter what her gender identity was. It, none of that fucking mattered, that I loved her and that she would be accepted, and that I would do my best to understand it and support it. I can't say that I will always understand her experience because it's different than my experience, but I will do my best to meet her needs and to support her as an individual, no matter how different that individuality is from myself, and no matter how much it may or may not line up with the expectations that I have for her. Because inevitably, as a parent, you do have expectations for your children. And they don't always line up with what that person is as an individual and who they become. And I'm sorry that you're in a position where you don't trust your family's love and you don't trust your parental ex uh, acceptance. That is terrible. And I'm sorry that you're there. And there's a reason, like, it's scary that you're when you're still financially dependent on them. Yeah, there's a reason that many individuals choose to not come out until they're of age and of financial independence because they're afraid that if they don't meet that social expectation and they don't meet that social standard that their parent has for them, that they will be put into a position of being unsafe. And that's valid. And there's never a perfect time to come out. And I can't say whether now is a good time for you to come out. I don't know your situation. Um, but if you are afraid that the knowledge of who you are as an individual will put you in a situation of being unsafe, 
then you probably shouldn't come out right now. Um, and you should also strongly evaluate the relationship that you don't feel safe in it because that's telling. It means a lot if you don't feel safe with your parents, if you don't feel safe with that relationship. That means they probably don't deserve a place in your life because if someone isn't interested in maintaining your safety, that's that base foundation of the Maslow hierarchy needs. And if they aren't going to keep you safe, what else are they willing to sacrifice for you? You're not going to hell. You have changed my life and helped me stay alive. You helped me at the lowest point. You're saving lives. Well, thank you, theater. I also do not believe that I'm going to hell. But when I was 12, that was a huge existentialist crisis that I had to face. And it took me a lot of years to struggle through what I was raised with versus my new understanding of morality and ethics. And it, it is a lot to tackle and it is really hard. And my parents are still in my life, but they have distinct boundaries. Um, there are things that we don't talk about. There are things that they're not allowed to bring up. Um, and if they don't stay within those boundaries, then I buy and go away. I don't, I don't continue to um, subject myself to that. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Is it a perfect relationship? No. But it's the best that I can do, given that they inherently think that I am evil based on the nature of my existence. I can't I can't own that. That's on them. Growing up, it was always weird for me since my family was religious. Uh, very boys can't do girl things and vice versa. They'd think that I'm the devil for what my opinions and beliefs and feelings are. Yeah, it, it it's I find it very sad that that's the measuring stick in which many families measure their children by. I, I find that very sad. I can't imagine judging my child based on whether or not she met some degree of sameness to myself. I, I, I can't find, I can't, I can't understand that. So many old feelings resurfacing with that conversation. I'm sorry, Torlak, because yeah, it, it's a wound that never really heals. We always kind of grieve that loss and we always, our, our coming out journey is always traumatic and difficult and a struggle and it always comes with these wounds that never really go away and it shapes our expectation moving forward one of the reasons that i knew that miss roch was going to be someone that could stay in my life forever was that i could be who i was and i could be safe with him i didn't have to make up things i didn't have to lie i didn't have to wear a mask um i could be my messy complicated layered self and it was okay that's what it means to be safe and yeah, coming out is rough. I think that's probably one of the most difficult things that I ever had to do in my life was to sit down and say, hey. Um, and for me, it was when in Maine, we were voting about whether or not gay marriage should be legal. I don't even remember what year this was. I mean, I was well into adulthood. I mean, I waited until I was like way away from the house. I did not come out when I was 12. I was like, I don't know, in my 20s. And Maine was debating over whether or not gay marriage should be legal. And my dad was talking about how it should not be legal and that people shouldn't be allowed to do things that are unethical and people are going to be going to hell. And he couldn't espouse a law that allowed people to do things that condemned them to hell for eternity and on and on and on about his religious stuff. And he point blank asked me one day why it upset me so much that he was against gay marriage. And... I was sitting there on his couch in the living room, totally unexpectedly, and I just fucking came out to him. I was like, because you were saying that I am unimportant. Because when you say that gays are going to hell, you are equivocally saying that I am going to hell. When you are saying that gays shouldn't have the right to marry the people that they love, you are saying that I shouldn't have that right. 
You are not condemning some random stranger that you have never met. You are condemning me. You are condemning your daughter. So every time you say that you don't think gays should have rights, what you're saying is that you don't think that I should have rights. And yeah, that's really fucking hard for me to hear from my dad. It's really hard to hear that your dad doesn't believe that you are as important of a person as cisgendered white males. That was, that was my coming out. It was all fucking rage machine. And it was not the best way to come out. <laughs> It was not planned either. It was just like, bah! so there's that. <laughs> the labels are changing all the time. So I look at all the colors and I look at all the rainbows and I get all the names and I'm like, I don't even know what half of this stuff means because in my era, you know, of, of coming into adulthood, the language was very different than it is now. And that's not a problem. I mean, I, it's just different. Um, I don't think that it matters that my labels have changed. I'm still exactly the same identity that I was when I was 12. It's just that the labels have changed enough that I'm using different labels because they're now more specific. And I think that's cool. And it's not common in the United States to have a friendship and a business relationship that is healthy and functional with your offspring because there are a lot of uh, divides between the generations and we are not very good at healing generational trauma. Was I a perfect parent? Fuck no. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm probably harder on my parenting than, than Sarah Sulk is, to be honest. But was I a perfect parent? No. Um, but I genuinely did my best every day to be that ideal, amazing parent that Sarah Salk deserved. And I think that that is how we heal generation trauma. And that is how we break the cycle of violence is by aiming for that perfect ideal and doing our best every day to come as close as we can every day to meet that mark. And yeah, there are days that I fucking failed abysmally, that I was so far from what I wanted to be as a parent. Yeah, there are definitely days that I was like a zero on a hundred on that scale. Um, there are a few that come to mind, <laughs> um, but yeah, the overall theme is that I always did my best. And because of that, I think that I did better than I would have if I just said, ah, this is good enough. I don't need to struggle every day to be good. I don't have to, I don't have to work for it. I forgot to send this with me. I just see people as people. I mean, whatever you like, as long as it's human and not an animal or an object or whatever you want. <laughs> um, I personally live by the Wiccan Read, which is um, do as you will if you harm none. So as long as you're not hurting other people, I have no issue with you. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to approve of it. It doesn't mean that it's going to be something that I think should be in my life. But if you are not hurting other things, if you're not causing harm, then it's none of my fucking business. That's all there is to it. It's none of my fucking business if you're not causing harm. Um, when you start causing harm, then it becomes a social issue. It becomes a community issue that needs to be evaluated as a group. Um, and we need to decide, you know, what you do with that harm. I just graduated nursing school starting as an RN in the ER. Bless your soul. Any tips for night shift or nursing in general? I've been a CNA for 10 years and I love your channel. Well, welcome, first of all, Chelson Mandela. My advice to anyone going into healthcare at this point is self-care, 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 self-care. 
Remember that you cannot take care of anyone if your cup is empty. You need, need, it is a need, to take the time to fill your cup if you are going to be able to give from that cup to other people. If you run your cup dry, you are not going to be able to take care of other people well. Um, that is my first piece of advice. So make sure that you are taking good care of yourself so that you can take good care of other people. You are important. And too many nurses have forgotten that they equally deserve the self-care and the care that they are giving to other people. It is okay to say no to extra shifts. It is okay to not work the overtime. It is okay to not work holidays. It is okay to say fucking no because you need to take care of yourself. That's my first piece of advice. My other piece of advice to all people in healthcare is to always believe your patient experience. It does not matter what a test says. Doesn't matter. There's nothing that can test for patient experience and the patient experience is always valid. That is, that is my one true truth in um, healthcare is that the patient experience is always valid. If you dismiss the patient's experience and the patient's reports of their symptoms, you will inevitably incorrectly diagnose your patient and provide poor care. The patient experience is the only way to the right diagnosis. If you dismiss that experience, you will never be able to accurately and with full confidence diagnose them properly. So if somebody comes in with chest pain and their EKG and their troponin levels are normal, does that mean that they're not having an MI? No, it's possible that they're having an MI. It's possible that they're having another cardiac event. It could be that they're having POTS event. Um, it could be that they're having SVTs. It could be that they had an H episode of atrial flutter that was transient and was not caught on that few seconds of strip that is an EKG. It is a snapshot. It is not a whole story. So while the testing that we do is important and valid, it in no way supersedes the patient's experience. That's always the most fundamentally important aspect when you're providing patient care is remember that their report of their experience is always going to bring you to the truth more reliably than any testing that you can do. And just because a test is normal doesn't mean that something isn't happening. And yes, Black Death, I am a nurse. I have been a nurse for 20 years. And before I was a nurse, I was a CNA and I was an EMT and I was a residential assistant. So I have been working in healthcare for a really long time. Um, I had my first healthcare job when I was 15. So now I'm like 42, however long that is. A very long time. What is the first thing they tell you in those first aid courses? You have to go first, you have to see it have to see if you're well, because if you don't look after yourself first, you can look, exactly. It's like when you're on a plane and the oxygen masks fall, you put on your oxygen first. Because if you stop breathing, you can't fucking help anybody. So once you're breathing and your airway is secure, you can then help someone else's airway be secure. Because if you stop breathing, you can fucking help no one. And nurses often forget that if we empty our cup and we run that dry, we have nothing to give and we're giving shit care. And we're missing that diagnosis. And a wrong diagnosis can be fatal. 